The western coast of Ireland is green and rugged with awe-inspiring grandeur. About a third of the way up the coast, the cliffs of Moher are a photographer's dream. And depending on your comfort with heights, they're either a dream or a nightmare as you walk the narrow path that follows the edge of the cliffs high above the Atlantic Ocean. On a sunny day, the pure magnitude of the setting will take your breath away. The sunlight hitting the waves below, sharp angles and sheer drop-offs. And when a fierce wind sweeps through, you sometimes need to drop down quickly to keep from being blown over. On my pilgrimage in Ireland, I remember the day that I visited the cliffs of Moher. There was something so frightening about being that high up over the water on the cliffs. There are a few lookouts where you are right there on the edge, looking over. Fortunately, there would be a banister or a railing or something, but I did feel a sense of awe, a sense of fear too. I remember thinking, oh dear God, if I fell right now, it would be certain death. But even in the presence of that real fear, I was aware of the beauty and majesty as well, and the strong rhythm of the waves crashing below. And it all brought my attention to the wonder and awe of God inspiring me to reflect on God's power to heal me of some of the brokenness I had been carrying. The cliffs, so vivid and alive, so beautiful and grand, invited me and now invite us into a place of surrender and trust. As you walk, take a few moments to pay attention to your breathing and find a comfortable pace. Today we're going to experience the wonder and awe of God's good creation using all our senses. First, we will tap into our memories and with a little extra attention, draw out the fullness of what we experienced. Think about a time when you encountered a place that took your breath away. Perhaps it was a national park or the top of a mountain. Maybe you were immersed in the intricate beauty and fragrance of a garden. Or perhaps you saw an evocative work of art, attended a live musical performance or ate an exquisitely crafted meal. Go back to that place in your mind and remember that experience with your whole body. Allow yourself to feel all that you felt and sense all that you sensed when you experienced it for the first time. What did you see? What did you hear?
What did you smell? What did you taste? What sensation did you experience in your body? A common feeling when we encounter beauty and power and bigness is a sense of awe. Awe is a complex and mysterious emotion. It is the mix of fear, wonder, and reverence experienced when someone is overwhelmed by the presence of something powerful or something beautiful. An experience of awe can make you more kind and generous. It can expand your perception of time. It can improve your mood and sense of well-being. Experiencing awe is good for you. Our invitation for today is to look for things that inspire awe. Wherever you have decided to walk, whether in your neighborhood, a local park, or someplace far from the cultivated world, walk and wander with an eye for awe. Take a little time now to try this out. Standing on the Irish cliffs today, the wild seas below are the same that St. Brendan embarked upon centuries ago. People also called him Brendan the Navigator or Brendan the Voyager. He embraced the early Celtic Christian tradition of peregrinatio by sea, the practice of setting out on the ocean to journey with God, to seek God, without knowing the destination, but ready to share the message of Jesus wherever they landed. Brendan and others would set out to sea in small, round, wooden boats. The wooden, ribbed frames of these boats were covered in animal skins to make them watertight. They were small and had no sail or rudders to control the steering. On the open seas, the boats and their passengers were at the mercy of the waves, the wind, and the will of God to lead them. 
launching out on this way of pilgrimage took tremendous trust. Liminal space is that uncertain space between one destination and the next. That space when you've left one thing behind, when one reality is ended, but you are not yet at the next place and the new reality. Liminal space is that unsettling in-between. Brendan and these other Celtic travelers left the land and everything they'd known and surrendered to liminal space. It takes tremendous trust today when we find ourselves in liminal space during transitions and the upheaval of change. When we are between the known of what life was and the new normal of what our life will be. It takes trust to surrender to the discomfort of that in-between. But the thing about liminal space is that God often uses it for transformation. In the in-between, we lose our sense of control and our certainty, and as a result, our souls are ripe to hear God's invitation with fresh ears. In the uncertainty of liminal spaces, we need to trust to stay afloat amid the waves and winds that toss us around. We need a trust that is rooted in God's love, protection, presence, and the identity he's planted within each of us. I invite you to listen to this prayer that was inspired by Brendan's story of launching out onto the sea, trusting God to guide his little boat. Allow it to invite you, too, into the vulnerability of embracing your own liminal space. Shall I abandon, O king of mysteries, the soft comforts of home? Shall I turn my back on my native land and turn my face towards the sea? Shall I put myself wholly at your mercy, without silver, without a horse, without fame, without honor? Shall I throw myself wholly upon you, without sword and shield, without food and drink, without a bed to lie on? Shall I say farewell to my beautiful land, placing myself under your yoke? Shall I pour out my heart to you, confessing my manifold sins and begging forgiveness, tears streaming down my cheeks? Shall I leave the prints of my knees on the sandy beach, a record of my final prayer in my native land? Shall I then suffer every kind of wound that the sea can inflict? Shall I take my tiny boat across the wide, sparkling ocean? O King of the glorious heaven, shall I go of my own choice upon the sea? O Christ, will you help me on the wild waves?
Brendan was born around 484 AD into a family that followed Jesus. In fact, the story says that Brendan was baptized by a bishop who became a Christian as a result of Patrick's adventure on the Hill of Slain. He was a traveler at heart, but wherever he traveled, he also started communities. The first monastery he founded was on the rocky Aran Islands, which are visible from the cliffs of Moher. And he spent the very end of his life at the community that he founded at Clonfort in County Galway, about a two-hour drive from the cliffs. And this is the place where we will enter into Brendan's story today. As Brendan journeyed around Ireland, he met sailors and was inspired by their tales of far-off lands. Realizing there were people in the Western Ocean who had never heard about Jesus, he was drawn to start out on an epic sea journey. Tradition has it that Brendan put his boat into the water at a small bay in the south of Ireland near the westernmost point of the island. He left the shore behind and headed toward what is today called North America. His adventure is recounted in the Navigatio Sancti Brendani, or The Voyage of St. Brendan. This medieval saga is filled with fantastical encounters with a volcano, a giant whale that's mistaken for an island, and other larger-than-life creatures. It reads like fiction, and some of it is likely lore, but in the 1970s, a British historian retraced the route in a replica of Brendan's boat to prove that the legend could have been based in historical truth. In any case, Brendan's voyage draws us into the dangers of sea travel and the extreme faith it took to set out. The images of Brendan's travels are reminiscent of the words in Psalm 107. As you listen, imagine yourself like Brendan, pushing your tiny wooden boat out from the security of shore to follow a route determined for you by the waves and wind and the God who governs them. Psalm 107, verses 1 to 3 and 23 to 32, in the message. Oh, thank God, he's so good. His love never runs out. All of you set free by God, tell the world. Tell how he freed you from oppression, then rounded you up from all over the place, from the four winds, from the seven seas. 
Some of you set sail in big ships. You put to sea to do business in faraway ports. Out at sea you saw God in action, saw his breathtaking ways with the ocean. With a word he called up the wind, an ocean storm, towering waves. You shot high in the sky, then the bottom dropped out. Your hearts were stuck in your throats. You were spun like a top, you reeled like a drunk. You didn't know which end was up. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He quieted the wind down to a whisper, put the muzzle on all the big waves. And you were so glad when the storm died down and he led you safely back to harbor. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Lift high your praises when the people assemble. Shout hallelujah when the elders meet. Let's quiet our minds, hearts, and souls for a while now using a breath prayer inspired by today's psalm. Before I share the suggested words for the prayer, take a few seconds to allow your footsteps and your breath to fall into a natural rhythm. If you're walking more slowly, maybe you'll inhale for two steps and exhale for two steps. If you're moving at a more brisk pace, perhaps you inhale for four steps and exhale for four steps. Let your feet and lungs link up however it feels comfortable for you today. The psalmist says in verse 24, Out at sea you saw God in action, saw his breathtaking ways with the ocean. Whatever sea you find yourself in today, whatever that liminal space is, remind yourself that God is there with you, acting on your behalf out of his love for you. As the music plays quietly, continue walking and breathing and silently pray. Out at sea, I will see you in action. Inhale, out at sea. Exhale, I will see you in action. Inhale, out at sea. Exhale. I will see you in action.
Amen. Let's turn now to another seaside in Luke 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and I haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this miraculous catch of fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Put out into deep water. These were the words of Jesus to Simon. Put out into deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. In a sense, it wasn't a huge ask of someone like Simon who was so comfortable on the water. He had spent nights and days on that boat. What was another few hours? But after a long night of frustrating work, net after net coming back empty, he was likely exhausted and discouraged. He could have said no. Who would have blamed him? But Simon chose to trust. Because you say so, I will let down the nets, Simon told Jesus. Because you say so. And this small but still risky yes to put out to deep water, to let down the nets, changed Simon's life. Jesus was in his boat now. And even if it seemed impossible, a catch was waiting. When Simon said yes to putting out into deep water and letting down his net, I don't know what he thought would happen. But the miraculous catch of fish was apparently not what he expected. Simon fell to the ground before Jesus and told him to go away. I am a sinful man. What a strange response. How does a catch of fish have anything to do with Simon's sinfulness? Yet something about witnessing this miracle drew Simon to his own deep unworthiness before Jesus. There, with Jesus, on the deep waters, 
in a weathered fishing boat, Simon was confronted with the internal condition of his soul. Being on a small boat on open water is an intense image of vulnerability. Even a seasoned fisherman is vulnerable when angry waves and fierce winds threaten to capsize their boat. There are several stories that come later in Scripture when Simon and other followers of Jesus encounter very literal storms on seas with raging waves and wind. Simon and other disciples would learn that following Jesus will sometimes lead them straight into the vulnerability of a turbulent storm. However, on this day, when Jesus first asked Simon to put out into deep water, the waves seemed to be calm. And yet, on that boat with Jesus, even without a physical storm, Simon was profoundly vulnerable. Perhaps a storm did exist, a storm inside Simon. Maybe a storm was brewing within Simon during those long, dark hours the previous night of toiling with no results. He had tried as hard as he could, but nothing worked, and he couldn't catch even one fish. When Jesus then turned and miraculously provided an overabundance of fish, maybe it spoke directly to the internal storm that existed in Simon. Maybe it spoke to the place of his failure and frustration. Maybe it spoke to the sense of his own unworthiness. And facing the lavish grace and power of Jesus that he glimpsed in this miraculous catch, Simon begged Jesus to go away from him. There's another prayer inspired by the story of Brendan that begins with this question. Christ of the mysteries, can I trust you to be stronger than each storm within me? Simon had just witnessed the power of Jesus over creation in this miraculous catch. And yet, could he also trust Jesus to overcome the sinfulness of his soul? Could he trust Jesus with his deep unworthiness? Could Simon trust Jesus with the internal mess and storm of his soul? Sometimes we face our vulnerability in the storms that rage inside. And sometimes we face our vulnerability in storms outside of us, brought on by certain circumstances or people. But the question remains, can we trust that Jesus is stronger than whatever we will encounter? Can we trust that Jesus is stronger than whatever keeps us from living a surrendered life of saying yes to him? What about you? Is there a way that Jesus is asking you to put out into deep water, like Simon? How is Jesus inviting you to trust him in your life right now? 
as you consider whatever storms or waves, internal or external, that you're facing these days, spend a moment with Jesus asking him, can I trust you to be stronger than whatever it is I'm facing now and whatever I will face in the future? Hi, I'm Sheremy. I'm on InterVarsity staff, specializing in scripture and prayer. I'm also a seemingly perpetual grad student. When I first knew I was heading to Ireland, I was asked what I most wanted to see. I grew up in a small Midwestern town surrounded by farmland. There were no mountains and no oceans. So I knew immediately what I wanted to see. Cliffs, I answered. Little did I know what God would do with this desire. While standing on the cliffs of Moore in Ireland and looking out onto the seas, I thought of Brendan in his little rudderless boat called a coracle. And I was amazed. A rudderless boat out in the open seas? Beauty and grandeur, sure, but also waves and storms and danger so much danger. Yet I sensed a call from Jesus to step into a boat like Brendan did. For me, I'd like to think that maybe on my best days, I could do it, even with the whisper of churning waves and dark nights lurking on the horizon. Or at least I'd like to think I could do something metaphorically similar. But the physical dangers, real or metaphoric, are not what I found to be most difficult in Brendan's story. What I couldn't imagine doing was getting into that rudderless little boat all alone. I already do a lot of life alone as a person who is single. To think of doing extreme adventure and danger also by myself, I didn't like that idea. I decided I'd rather be drawn to some other saint instead. But there I was with Brendan, still close to my spirit, as I walked the cliff's edge. I wrestled for days on my pilgrimage across Ireland, not wanting to go alone on the journey to which Jesus seemed to be inviting me. That tiny little coracle with no rudder and no friend in it seemed too much for me. And then someone casually mentioned, oh, not all rudderless boats are one-person coracles. There's also the Curragh, the boat with room for company. A boat that holds a friend. Could Brendan have taken a Curragh made for company and not just a coracle for one? I don't know, but what I do know for sure is that Simon's boat in Luke chapter 5 had room for companions, and his fishing partners joined him in leaving everything at the shore. They followed Jesus together. For me, I was greatly encouraged by the hope of community going with me as I take risks for Jesus. And the hope of Jesus being with me also encouraged me. I saw afresh that both Simon and Brendan learned to be with Jesus and trust Jesus as they encountered his call throughout their lives. It's been a few years since that time on the Cliffs of Moor where Jesus invited me to metaphorically step into a boat with him. 
More recently, I ventured again to Celtic lands, extending my trip and hunkering down there due to COVID. When I first arrived, I told my friends with whom I was staying that in my current season of life, I felt so unanchored. I must have kept mentioning how much I just wanted to be anchored because my friend eventually and perceptively pointed out that someone whose boat is on the move doesn't need an anchor. A person on the move instead needs something more like a North Star to guide the little boat. Or as I then understood all over again, I needed a deep trust that Jesus continues to guide me and continues to give me companions along the way. I was taken aback that years later, God was continuing this theme of my journeying unknown waters with him and giving me partners to journey with me. God hadn't forgotten. Jesus was proving himself once again faithful to me and to his calling on my life. As you consider the stories of Simon, Brendan, and Jeremy, take time to reflect on your own story. Where may God be calling you to launch out into the unknown? Who is in the boat with you as you set out? Are there partners or companions with you on your journey? Four hundred years apart, the same Jesus called both Simon and Brendan. They both encountered Jesus on a shoreline. But where each of their callings took them was quite different. For Simon, Jesus turned the whole story on its head, as he often does, and announced to Simon, Don't be afraid now. It's time to put out into other deep waters. We're going to catch people, catch them out of the evil and slog of this world, catch them out of the mundane, the rat race, the injustice, the hopelessness. Brendan, on the other hand, didn't leave his boat. For him, the call was to step into a new boat a rudderless one, 
drifting led him exactly to where God was inviting him to be. The calls of Simon and Brendan were different, but the invitation to trust Jesus and surrender what is known for what is unknown remains the same. We learned from Simon and from Brendan that life with Jesus isn't an anchored life at the dock, but a trusting endeavor into the unknown, trusting in Jesus, the one who is with us in the storms of life. Whether or not you follow Jesus, life includes many difficult circumstances and seasons, but it doesn't mean we stop launching our boats. The call from Jesus is so great that it's worth the risk. Simon and Brendan show us what trust in Jesus is. It's deep trust in deep waters. There's so much to discover with Jesus when we put out into deep waters and let down our nets for a catch. As we bring our walk to a close, here's part of a prayer that imagines what Brendan might have prayed. Listen as he wrestles to trust Jesus with his life and his calling. Allow Brendan's prayer to invite you to also share honestly with Jesus about the ways you wrestle with trusting him. Receive the gift of being in process and needing God to meet you. Christ of the mysteries, can I trust you to be stronger than each storm in me? Do I still yearn for your glory to lighten me? I will show others the care you've given me. I determine amidst all uncertainty always to trust. I choose to live beyond regret and let you recreate my life. I believe you will make a way for me and provide for me. If only I trust you and obey, I will trust in the darkness and know that my times are still in your hand. I will believe you for my future, chapter by chapter, until all the story is written. Focus my mind and my heart upon you, my attention always on you without alteration. Strengthen me with your blessing and appoint me to the task. Teach me to live with eternity in view. Tune my spirit to the music of heaven. Feed me and, somehow, make my obedience count for you.